Butchery as a career is a viable, fulfilling, and opportunistic path to take on. It is filled with a rich culture, gratifying work, and an appreciation of what farm to fork really means. Our guest today is Troy Spicer from Fanshawe College. Troy is the founder and creator of the first butchery techniques program within the Ontario colleges. Troy possesses a vast background of experience in culinary, retail cutting, and plant floor butchery experience, and is excited today to share the value that this program adds to the food industry. Looking into kickstarting a career in butchery? Look no further than with today's episode. Butchery is a skilled trade, so you're going to learn a skill that's transferable anywhere in the world for that trade itself and the opportunities to move forward in any size of company that you work for are amazing hi i'm andy and i'm joe and you're listening to the farm to fork podcast brought to you by carlisle technology today's topic is on butchery as a career our guest today is troy spicer Troy is the program coordinator and founder of the Professional Butchery Techniques Program at Fanshawe College. Troy is excited to hear the value this program adds to the food industry. Troy, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and the organization that you're representing? Hi, guys. It's great to be here today talking about this. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I've had a whole career in the food industry, actually. Grew up in the retail bakery industry. My family ran a bakery for uh, almost 70 years. So my dad grew up in the bakery industry and I also grew up in the bakery industry. So I had a whole lifetime of that and worked full-time there for numerous years after high school in the bakery industry. And after deciding that I didn't want to pursue that as my career, I actually cut into cooking. So worked uh, in institutions cooking and through that work, I actually had the opportunity to pursue an apprenticeship as an institutional cook. So at the time when I was working in uh, long-term care, there was a push from the Ministry of Health to have all of their cooks certified within a certain time frame. So uh, my employer supported me to complete an apprenticeship as an institutional cook. And through that education, I actually took a course called Meat Theory and really kind of piqued my interest in butchery and really more the farm to table where our products come from. And I just kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about meat. So I still continued on with my cooking. I was working for caterers and institutions and also got a part-time job at a small mom and pop provincially licensed abattoir just to find out a little bit more about where my food comes from. And like they say, the rest is kind of history. So I started working there part-time and found it extremely satisfying work, very rewarding, and also learned so much about an industry that's very much hidden away a lot of the time that, that we don't know about. So I found the work just a very satisfying. So I, I really pursued butchery as another skill set next to my baking and my cooking. And during my time at Fanshawe College doing my apprenticeship, programs. I did two. So I did institutional cook and cook apprenticeship program. I really was interested in staying there, doing more work at an educational institute. I really enjoy the environment. A lot of common-minded folks, which was so refreshing, lots of great conversations. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am now is after my, my butchering, I was working in the industry, kind of noticed that there were some labor challenges. And I thought, hey, wonder who's offering programs for butchery in Ontario and welcome to find out no one was. So I thought there was my opportunity to kind of pursue my career. And that's kind of, in short, how I ended up where I am now as the program coordinator at Fanshawe. So it kind of was an evolution of my career and just following my uh, interests. 
as they kind of came along. You say uh, you kind of took a liking to meat theory. Was there one particular thing that really stood out to you or was there, there something that kind of captured your imagination? Honestly, it was teachers that I had made me really start to think critically around where my food comes from. That really was the basis of it. I grew up in a family that hunted, so I, I understood hunting and stuff, but not so much the domesticated livestock and the process that they went through. So it was a lot less about cutting the meat and more about the story and the understanding of how that meat actually gets to our plate and how we can make better decisions when it comes to purchasing our meat. Well, that's cool. I think there's a whole lot that goes behind the meat that we all buy and cook every night. And we don't really think about, you know, whether it is the cuts that are made or even just the, you know, the farming and the agriculture aspect that's behind it all. So it's it's cool that you got to study that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an animal lover and that's the basis of it is that I'm going to eat an animal. I want to make sure that that animal's been treated with respect and properly. And so I know myself, you know, that it's, been treated humanely and well. Did you get a chance to spend much time on the actual plant floor doing butchery or was it mostly kind of theory inside of a school? So in school, it was all theory for sure. But in my career, yeah, I certainly did. I did that. It was a small plant. So I did all the jobs right from the back door to the front door, I always say. so. That's cool. So you got a lot of firsthand experience. I did. Yeah. Animal handling right out to retail sales in the front. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Thanks again, Troy, for that introduction and for you being on the podcast with us here today. That's a very interesting and you know, kind of grassroots story into how you wanted to discover the framework of what farm to table really means in your terms. But let's dive a little bit more into Fanshawe background in butchery education. So how did you develop the Soul Butchery Education College program? Like what was the starting point? You know, how'd you use your network, that type of thing? Yeah, so I actually started uh, working at Fanshawe in uh, 2014. I, I just applied for an entry-level support staff role, so nothing to do with butchery or anything. Uh, essentially, uh, setting up carts for the culinary classes, things like that, and started having conversations with some of the other staff and faculty that were around and kind of talking about butchery. And from those conversations kind of came a bit of an idea of how we might actually be able to deliver some sort of programming. In the college system in Ontario, like a lot of academics for that matter, it moves slowly. It's a very big machine that moves slowly. There's a lot of processes to follow to do something. So to just have an idea to start a butchery program and then go ahead and do it is a very long process. So we started with something that kind of was a little bit faster process to kind of get the get the train rolling before we continued on. So what we did in the beginning was applied for a grant for a pre-apprentice program. There's a lot of these programs in Ontario, and they aim at promoting the trades and allowing access to underrepresented groups of people in the skilled trades. So essentially you apply for a grant and they grant you the funds and then you run the program. But the coolest thing about the program is that the students that take the program take the program at no cost at all. We couldn't charge those students not $1 for coming for that education. So they got 18 weeks of education in butchery. And then there's an eight-week work term after that, where we actually had a wage subsidy we could offer to employers to encourage them to take uh, these students. So we ran that pre-apprentice program for three years, kind of used it as a pilot for the 
professional butchery techniques program that we have now. We used it to kind of help try some of the curriculum, try some of the ideas, and it's a lot lower risk for the college because the program funds are just granted from the government. So it's a bit easier that way. So during those three years where I was running that, I was working behind the scenes to actually advocate and to start the process for uh, the college certificate program, professional butchery techniques that we have now. So that's kind of where it started and then through the evolution and the college process and then the, the provincial process for new programming, we finally in, uh, in May of 2021, we launched the professional butchery techniques program. How receptive was the college when you were trying to kind of work behind the scenes on the uh, certificate program? Were they pretty receptive to adopting that and really pulling it in or was it, did you get a little bit of pushback? We have a process that we have to follow where we have to do all the labor market research, right? To show that there's a need and run all the budget numbers and stuff. So, you know, it's pretty robust process that way as far as the college goes. It's certainly... To a lot of people, it's not the sexiest program in the world. So there certainly was a little bit of having to advocate that way because it's just removed. People are just very unaware of this as a career path. So, and I'm pretty passionate, pretty excited about it. People kind of shake their head a little bit. This guy's uh, here doing this presentation to these folks about this new program. And he's pretty excited about butchery, you know, <laughs> so I really had to sell it to them. You know, it, it's worked out for sure. And the data is there, which is super helpful. You know, we have a huge shortage of butchers in Canada and in our area, especially being in the farm belt where we are. So the data was very strong, which was super helpful. It's really interesting to hear that. I mean, even as a former Fanshawe alum myself, it always seemed like Fanshawe was at the forefront of innovation and testing out new market ideas in relation to new programs or concepts. So even just to give a quick example, that's somewhat analogous. I mean, I went through the college doing the five-year degree stream through marketing. And at the time, I was actually there once it was you know, being developed, being pitched in the same similar way that you had to do backup by labor market statistics and all the relevant information. And then eventually what we saw is other colleges immediately starting to adopt that, right? That Because typically, you know, there wasn't seen as a, uh, a university level degree for business within college. So in terms of that, are you starting to see that other colleges may start to adopt this program or somewhat similar, you know, infrastructure for that? It's interesting. I keep hearing about colleges that are going to do it. It never seems to get off the ground. Of course, I don't know what some of them are working on behind the scenes. I have no idea. But I see newspaper articles and I hear rumblings about things, but nothing actually comes to fruition. And the funny thing about that is, is that kind of heard about that type of stuff like five years ago when I was in the program development state. And someone said to me at a roundtable discussion, oh, everybody talks about starting these programs, but no one actually does it. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, well, you haven't met me, obviously, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, right? So, and now that I see it and I hear and I read these things, I know exactly what they're saying. Like a lot of people talk about it and do it, but I don't know if it's not the right people in the right positions to really champion the cause for it. And like I said earlier, it's not the sexiest program in the world either. So there's some challenges there. There's opportunities, and I hope some other schools do take it on because we need it. We need 
more students seeing more colleges offering these programs so that we can help the industry and ultimately help these students too into a potential career path that's going to serve them very well. Yeah, I completely agree. You talked a little bit about, you know, the program length, you know, just a general overview, but do you want to go into a little bit of the specific concepts that are taught within the program and, you know, kind of what the the student is actually learning in relation to butchery? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to back up just a little bit. I'd like to talk about the program and how a student's going to get into it a little bit as well, because that'll put a a little context into what we're going to deliver. So I actually made the program very accessible. So a grade 12 education is all you need, you don't, or equivalent. You don't need any extra high school courses or anything to get into the program. So it's very accessible for students to get into the program. And it's eight months in length. So it's what's considered a one-year college certificate program. So you get an Ontario college certificate after completing the program. So currently we have an intake offered for September of 2023. So those students will be completed the program in April of 2024. So eight months. And there's no work term. There's no co-op or anything with the program either because of the labor market. (laughs) The jobs that are available at the end, there's so many of them that having the college certificate puts you much further ahead of any other applicants that for any of these jobs uh, out there. The majority of jobs for butchers in Ontario are filled with unskilled labor. So someone that has a college course is really going to put themselves head and shoulders above any other applicants for those jobs. So a student that takes a program over the eight months, so it's divided into two semesters, we have about more than two thirds of the content is actually delivered in practical setting or hands-on learning. So that's very nice for students that aren't super academically minded, very hands-on learners. So the majority of the content's delivered that way. But of course, we do have some theory courses to support those practical courses as well. So the students take a business course. They could actually write a business plan during that course. So if, it's, say, we have a very entrepreneurial student that's really looking at uh, running their own business at the end of the program, they can actually bring that business idea to that course. And by the end of that course, they, they could actually have a functional business plan coming out of that. Take marketing and industry trends, also a very big part of the industry as well. There's three actual meat-cutting labs themselves. And there's one meat cutting, uh, meat processing lab where we learn all about making sausages um, and dealing with processing equipment as far as that goes. We have meat science back into theory. So to support those practical labs, we're actually going doing the theoretical knowledge uh, behind everything we're doing in the labs. Uh, of course, occupational health and safety, food safety, um, stuff like that. So there's lots of courses. We do have a writing course as well, because it never hurts to brush up on our writing skills. uh, uh, Because we all have to draft emails and proposals and who knows what in our career. So, um, so we also have that, that course as well. So there's lots of courses, we have uh, our practical labs, our cutting labs, all the product we produce, we actually sell in our own store, which is a course itself, retail meat operations. So each week we sell all of our products. So the students learn all about customer service, retail sales, things like that. Why do you see students decide to take your program instead of just going straight into the trade? You know, you're saying that students that have passed the program and gotten their certificate, they're kind of head and shoulders above you know people who just enter the trade but why do they choose to go through your program mostly because they see value in post-secondary education 
they realize that taking a college program is going to help you out in your career and in your life, and it's going to put you ahead and thrust you forward. We have those conversations all the time, right? You can, of course, just go out and apply for a job for sure. But these students want more than that, right? They don't just want the meat cutting job. They want a career in it and opportunities to move up and move forward. Well, that's cool. It seems like this is the kind of program that gives them kind of a well-balanced kind of full view of meat cutting in general. Yeah, it always amazes me in eight months, man, they learn a lot. <laughs> we teach them a lot. So yeah, it's very valuable. Oh, that's cool. So who are you targeting with this program? So certainly a personal goal for me is to target youth and women in the industry. So we lack youth and we, I'm not sure that women always even view butchery as a career. I was trained in the beginning of my career by a female butcher. She was awesome. And I've had some female students take the program that have just excelled tremendously and done so well. And the youth side of things is I want to try to get this program in front of young people that maybe aren't sure what else they might want to do as a career. So maybe they're not super academically minded university stream, but then they're also maybe not along the lines of tech where we would be looking at like a machine shop, auto mechanic, woodworking, things like that. A career in food is still very hands-on, but it's different than that. I kind of see myself in those people. So I really am hoping to get this program in front of some of those people to show them uh, this great career path in front of them because it's been amazing for me. Uh, it's provided me with just a multitude of opportunities. So I really like to see some young people share the same successes that I have in the industry. That's really cool. I like that you talk about it, how it's not just a job. And so, of course, there are always going to be people who are just kind of looking for the next job or, or something like that. But I like that you say that this is for people who are really trying to look at butchery as a career path for them and how they can make a living. And this is kind of why we wanted to do this podcast with you in general is the fact that this is a great career path. I think more people need to, we need to get the word out because more people need to know that this is a great option for them. Absolutely. The sky's the limit, really. For someone young going in the industry to get great skills, and then who knows if you get in with this, a larger company, you could ladder up, you know, and get into management opportunities there. But also, if you're with a smaller company, who knows, you could be looking at ownership, something like that eventually as well. Yeah, so I think that's a, a very important point. I think it's a kind of a good way to wheel it back into, you know, the history of butchery overall as a career. I know a lot of the influence in North America today is really reflected off of European culture. So Troy, do you maybe want to kind of go through, you know, what are the tenets of the European culture in relation to butchery and like how that has impacted the way we view butchery here in North America? Yeah, so our roots certainly are based in European butchery, seeing as a lot of our culture is based on the European because of the immigration. And butchery was, or still is even in Europe, very highly regarded skilled trade, where in Canada over the years, it's really, really gone to the wayside that way. So a lot of our skilled, trained butchers that we have today that are reaching retirement age, they were trained by or themselves were European descent butchers. So they really had a full 
experience in training as a true butcher when we think about it, working on full carcasses and and really having a full understanding of meat cutting. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the Canadian market, North American market for that matter, started to really change and remove the butchers from the stores and kind of put them back behind the doors. And it really changed the career as far as that goes. They became jobs and less career motivated at that point when we started to remove that European influence and started to move towards cutting what we call boxed meat. So the meat would come in on skids in boxes and we would portion it, trim it, portion it, tie it. Still, still very skilled work, but there was less passion, less feeling of it being like a rewarding career, noble profession. So we started to lose that through that time. And so then our European influence started to go away through retirements and those people leaving the industry. So then it's kind of evolved. We're now with the barn to table movement, it started to kind of come back again now. So that's where we're starting to see a lot more artisan butchers out there. And those butchers wanting to learn that skill set to try to, to deliver to those customers that are having those questions, those more boutique type of butcher shops. So it's starting to come back and employers are realizing that the skilled people can really help them make money because of the knowledge they have and the more dexterity that they have around uh, around their cutting abilities and being able to actually make money, right? So um, it's changed a lot uh, and I envy Europe, to be honest, uh, when I think about it, that uh, just because butchery is still, so, it's still regarded there very highly and uh, and we're working to get that back in Ontario. Um, uh, Meat and Poultry Ontario has the Ontario's Finest Butcher Competition each year. And uh, that's a great way to do it. <laughs> you know, things like that. We have, um, well, this program here that I, that I have right now, you know, that's another way to help with that type of thing, right? So we're starting to see the change, starting to move back, but it is slow. Why did we see, I mean, years ago, we were talking about this earlier, probably before we were recording the podcast, but you know, you'd mentioned one of the things was that grocery stores decided to kind of take butchers out from being in the front uh, and kind of take that away from the grocery store aspect. Why did they do that in the first place? And then why do we see them starting to slowly bring butchers back into grocery stores again? Yeah, so they certainly did remove them. So uh, people don't don't see them, don't really see the meat and what's what the product is that they're actually eating, which which is really problematic <laughs> because I think we see a lot more food waste. We see a lot more res- a lot less respect for that that animal that gave up its life for us to consume. So we hid that away because we thought people didn't really want to see that and it maybe wasn't helping with sales and helping encourage uh, people to buy meat. So we just put it in a styrofoam package and then that's what meat is, not the actual coming from the animal and seeing the butcher. Where now people are asking those questions, they want to know where their meat comes from. So that's why they've actually started opening it up again. I don't know if you ever go to a Fortino's in Hamilton area there. They have a beautiful counter with a very open big grocery store chain there. They're really bringing it back out again, showing people what it is and, and, and getting people to, to ask questions about their product and stuff. So. 
I've seen it a lot in kind of the smaller processors that are kind of more in the rural area where they might have, you know, a processing facility in the back and a storefront in the front where they might have windows that let you see kind of the meat cutting that's going on in the back and that sort of a thing. And that was probably my first exposure to it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's you definitely it's more visible for sure in those types of places. And I think in the rural communities, I'm from a rural community. I think we're more in touch with where our food comes from just because a lot of us have a very farming background or know people that do have farming backgrounds are very close to us right so are you finding that butchery is becoming more automated and if so what are some good examples that illustrate that it definitely is becoming more automated. Um, I just actually read an article this morning. So the maple leaf chicken plant that just opened here in London, they just have started processing for the first time. It's a, the largest investment maple leaf's ever made. And it's here in London. And that plant is fully automated. So it there'll be no people cutting meat at all. It's all mechanical. So it's impressive that a plant of that size and the number of birds that they're going to be uh, processing is just staggering. And that's fully automated, but it's also providing good jobs for people and consistent product for us and consistent pricing and safe products as well. So there's a lot of automation comes to food safety and things like that as well. There's always going to be a uh, space for butchers that's never going to go away that's for sure because a lot of the processes maybe not poultry as much but a lot of the other species there's always going to be requirements for hand butchering for sure automation makes it easier on the butchers so they can do their job better more efficiently more quickly more safely have more consistent products so automation is a great addition to a butcher's skill set I'd say too, I mean, even when you look at automation versus somebody who's manually doing the butchery role, they're two different kind of roles. Like one of them is just trying, like you pointed out, they're trying to get a lot of food out in a very similar fashion at a very low cost in a very safe way, which is needed. But then there's also more of like an artisan style butchery that's maybe not serving the same purpose. It's not trying to pump a ton of meat out at one time, but it's trying to provide a kind of a deeper handcrafted quality that goes behind that meat, right? So there's definitely room for both of those because I think, you know, we can't have only the artisan style because then it's, you know, we can't feed the masses necessarily maybe on that, especially if there's, you know, we're already struggling with the labor market, but then we also, we don't want just the automated side that's just pumping stuff out too. There's always people that want that kind of extra touch with the products that they're buying. Absolutely. And kind of piggybacking off what Andy just said there in relation to the labor market. So Troy, what are some of the factors that have caused the current labor shortages that the industry is experiencing in your opinion? So the reality is retirements and just not enough people looking at butchery as a career. Maybe employers not posting for these jobs, I don't want to say appropriately, but making them look attractive enough because it's very easy to make butcher position look very unattractive to an applicant. On the other hand, <laughs> it's a little more skilled to make it look attractive to an applicant, right? Like there are realities of the job. It is hard work. It is in a cold environment for sure, but there's also very positive things about it. And we need to sell those positive things a lot more than we do the other things. And that will help attract people to the industry. 
I think there's kind of a stigma around it that's kind of developed probably like you were saying earlier, you know, when we moved away from the European roots and more into kind of a North American style of butchery, you know, it kind of gained a bit of a stigma of it being, you know, a cold, wet, hard environment. And that's kind of maybe drawn some people away from it, but that's not really, I mean, sure, it is cold because you have to refrigerate the meat and there's water because you have to wash things down, but it's so much more than that. And like you said, you kind of have to capitalize on the pros, not just focus on things that are challenges, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I look, it's a skilled trade job, right? It's a hands-on job. I look at so many of these skilled trades. It is hard work, you know? They all have their benefits and their challenges in there as well. But it's a very rewarding hands-on career. So we need to get away from the things that are challenging about it and realize that that's part of, of having a good job that's supplying food for our citizens. <laughs> Why is butchery career path and not just a job in in your mind? So the thing is about this trade is that the opportunities are really endless for the career. It's not, when I think of a job, I think of maybe a lower skilled job that won't provide you the opportunities if you were to leave that job and go somewhere else. Butchery is a skilled trade. So you're going to learn a skill that's transferable anywhere in the world for that trade itself. And the opportunities to move forward in any size of company that you work for are amazing. If you're in a large company, you have opportunities. If you want to do more professional development, you, you can move into at least lead hand roles and then maybe management roles. And who knows, we have great stories, run your own business someday, you know, things like that. So there's a lot of opportunities within the industry to move forward if you want to move out of meat cutting and into other roles, but then also meat cutting if you, like I said, want to transfer anywhere else around the world, you can bring those skills with you as well. So it's a skilled trade. <laughs> I like that it's transferable. You know, that's something that's just neat about the fact, that, like you said, whether you go over to Asia or Europe or you stay here or wherever you go, meat cutting is used maybe in a different style, but it's used all throughout the world, which is a great benefit because it kind of gives you kind of an open door to wherever you want to go. And what about like the ability to kind of join unions or do certain things like that, that give you maybe some job security or give you good pay or where do you see it falling with those? Yeah, so most butchery job postings that come across my desk are all full-time jobs. So we're not looking at contract jobs with little commitment from employers. We're looking at full-time jobs with benefits. Some of them have pensions, RSP contributions, uh, matching programs, things like that. So these are good regular jobs, predictable jobs. If you look at large industrial butchers, they usually run two shifts, either a day shift or an afternoon shift. So you have options and usually Monday to Friday. So very stable, predictable employment with a lot of added benefits. A lot of jobs are also unionized in a lot of uh, grocery stores would be unionized, some industrial meat plants as well. So obviously those unions give you seniority, they give you job security, and they also give you leverage obviously through negotiations for your collective agreement with your employer, right? So there's a lot of great opportunities. Also, if you're in a union, you want to move around the country somewhere else, that's going to be also advantageous. And unions advocate for the industry a lot as well. They try to help with the labor challenges that we have, right? Because it's important for their members. They want to have enough jobs 
to fill those positions so their members aren't going to be overworked and whatnot as well. So there's a lot of great benefits as far as that goes. Sounds like you're a great example of how you've taken on butchery in the food industry in general and taken it from just a job into an actual career path. And yours might not be the same as the path as everybody else is going to take, but you started out, like you said, with bakery, then getting into culinary and cooking and now going into butchery and now teaching at a college level for that. And so it's kind of neat to see how your path has kind of gone through, you know, you were on the plant floor too, in multiple different ways. And then now you've kind of transitioned over into teaching the trade and the skills to younger generations. I always tell my students that I'm up here, you know, doing all this stuff, you know, and they, they think they hold you in very high regard as, as a college professor and, and it's appreciated. But I, I like to remind them, I said, don't forget, I'm a butcher first. I'm a baker first. You know, that's what I did first. That's my foundation. That's my groundwork. I just, I did professional development to learn the academic side, the teaching side, the curriculum development, stuff like that. But my foundation is that. So the sky is the limit wherever you want to go with your career. It's really up to you, you know, and it's amazing. It really is. It, it's really amazing. It, it's a very big industry, but when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's very small, actually. I know so many people in Ontario and across Canada from the industry, massive billion dollar industry, but the people involved in it, making the changes, advocating, it's really small, actually. It's surprising how you run across the same people over and over again, trying to do that work to help the labor challenges. I know for us, even within the industry, you know, I've been working at Carlo Technology for about 10 years now. It is very familiar with the different organizations and faces and people that are involved in the industry. There is a great local kind of small community that you just kind of get to know the key players within, which is kind of neat to see. And it's a very supportive industry. That's what I found in the program development for the Professional Butchery Techniques program. I had to do a lot of research and stuff and people were so great and so helpful. Somebody's trying to help them and make a difference. So they couldn't do enough to help out, right? So it's uh, it's great. And even supportive of one another. I was at the Meat Industry Expo there. You folks were there as well in October. And it's funny how everyone comes together, you know, for the gala dinner at the end and a lot of camaraderie, you know, some are competitors, but still, you know, all still kind of have a, you know, a common goal, right? To support the industry, however they can. So Troy, you had mentioned earlier that part of the Fanshawe Butchery Techniques program was putting an emphasis on focusing on, you know, youth, women, and underrepresented groups within butchery. And so do you have any data on these underrepresented groups within butchery and why specifically it's important to target these groups for the program? The federal government and the provincial government both are very supportive of underrepresented groups in the skilled trades. They know that's their target market to help get more people into the skilled trades. Actually, in August, the federal government announced $33 million for trades programs to support underrepresented groups. It's called Skilled Trades Awareness and Readiness Program. So this is money being divvied up across the country to the provinces to help them support these underrepresented groups. So a lot, most 
most of the information on skilled trades is to do with apprenticeships in Ontario. Now, meat cutting, you can do a meat cutting apprenticeship. The trade in Ontario is Retail Meat Cutter 245R. You can do an apprenticeship. It's very small right now. We don't have a lot of people really pursuing it, but there are some. So it does fall into this skilled trades apprenticeship kind of information coming from the Ontario government. They did a survey, the Ontario government did, kind of why people aren't going into skilled trades, what the challenges are and the barriers, right? So a lot of the information that came out of it is like apprenticeships, they're kind of still being regarded as a last resort option for education post-secondary. So that's challenging. And I say butchery in that as well. There says apprenticeships period, but butchery is in there as well because it's also a skilled trade, right? So and the stigma we talked about earlier is another something that that's uh, kind of come out of this survey. Lack of information, just providing the information to the students even know that it's a viable option, right? When we talk about youth. So there's pathways that are difficult to navigate. Coordination among secondary schools, governments, employers, industry associations. So people aren't talking together. They're not understanding what's all available and how we can make it easier for people, right? So they say that there's a lot of non-visible barriers as well, preventing youth from pursuing career in the skilled trades, especially youth from these underrepresented groups we're talking about, such as young women, black youth, indigenous youth, youth with disabilities, newcomers to Canada, francophones, youth at risk with the law, and from racialized communities. So they're saying some of these barriers are like there's actually systemic racism still out there and sexism and other forms of discrimination. So I had a student actually in our first program, she was working at a butcher shop and they wouldn't let her cut meat because she was female. She worked customer service in the front end. She was so talented as a meat cutter. She's doing so well now at another company. So those barriers are out there. And We don't even realize that they're happening. And so we really need to work on that diversity and inclusivity training for these people and companies and getting it out there. We need to provide these opportunities. And there's things that are holding it back that we don't even realize are still happening that are preventing this from happening. So there's a lot of barriers still there for young people wanting to access the skilled trades as a career. It's neat to see a program like this that kind of enables them and shows them a way to access this career. Have you seen anything with the success rates of underrepresented groups throughout your program? Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's done well that's come through the program. I have to say, I've, to my knowledge, of course, I can't track everyone, but from what I hear back from people, and of course you hear you you run into someone, they've talked to someone, you know, former students, and they kind of let you know what's going on. And it's really surprising the success of them and the different places they go. You know, one student you think really struggled in the program has turned out to be an absolute rock star and done so well. So you never know how it's going to work out. From that first group of students there, I had two females actually in it, the one that had a challenge at her former employer. And then another lady, and they actually both went and worked for Fortino's in Hamilton. They were hired at the very top of their pay grade, right right in the gate. So they got a top job right in the gate, doing amazing. I couldn't believe it when they told me, you know. So, uh, like, that was certainly a very pride-filled moment for me, right? So... 
That's what we want. <laughs> so Troy, what are some of the advice and options in terms of pathways that can be provided for an individual looking to further their education in butchery and just have a general vested interest in the, the career as a whole? Yeah, so taking the Professional Butchery Techniques program is, is pretty cool at Fanshawe, actually, because it provides multiple pathways for your career and also for your education if you'd like to pursue that. So we have a lot of common content with actually our um, culinary skills program as well in our school. So a student that takes either culinary skills or butchering can carry on with the other program and almost pursue the second year with quite a bit less course load, opportunities to work part-time on the side, something like that. So you can essentially, in about 16 months, you can get two college certificates out of the program. And also another opportunity, if you might be considering really laddering up in a larger company, getting more towards the management side of things, we have a postgraduate program. It's called Food Processing Operational Leadership. And so a student that takes a professional butchery techniques program could go on and take that postgraduate program. And that would really provide them with an awesome opportunity to move into a mid-level management role fairly quickly in their career. So uh, those are two really kind of cool opportunities. And then also taking the professional butchery techniques program allows the students to move pretty seamlessly into the retail meat cutter 245R apprenticeship program. And we meet all the learning outcomes for level one of apprenticeship in school training. So a student would be able to apply 540 hours of their in-school training at Fanshawe to their apprenticeship hours, which are 4,500 hours. So it's a very seamless transition into that. And actually with, with Skilled Trades Ontario now and the new uh, organization developed to support Skilled Trades in Ontario, um, the process is much more simplified. They're working much harder on making it easier at, to access for people and employers and apprentices. So um, yeah, there's numerous pathways coming out of this program. And of course, there's always many, many more uh, pathways as well uh, as if your interests get peaked into it. There's agribusiness as well. Programs like that, you could pursue a degree. A University of Guelph has a lot of degree programs, animal science and meat science, things like that. So there's a lot of opportunities that this program would just be the very beginning of for someone that wants to pursue that. All right, Troy. So I've loved the conversation. I think it's great to see further education and butchery and trying to grow that and change it, the stigma behind it being just a job into a full career. What should our listeners take away from this? Like, What's our main call to action that you want to see people do after hearing this podcast episode? I really would like people to tell other people that butchery is alive and well in Ontario and Canada, and it's a very viable career option for young people. And please pursue it. Tell people about it. Tell people about the program that we have at Fanshawe, how exciting it is. Stop at the meat counter when you're at the grocery store. Have a look at it. Talk to the butcher. Uh, ask them Ask them questions. Get interested in butchery and where our food comes from. And if somebody wants to find out more about Fanshawe's program, where can they get more information? Yeah, so the Fanshawe College website, if you just type in Fanshawe Professional Butchery Techniques in any web browser, it's going to come up right at the top of your page. Professional Butchery Techniques. And are our listeners able to get a hold of you if they've got questions or anything like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my email address is t underscore spicer at fanshawc.ca. You can also send me a message via the Professional Butchery Techniques website. There's a chat function there. You can send a message and that will get to me as well. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Troy, for taking the time to come on the podcast with us today. I know myself and Andy have learned quite a lot about, you know, butchery and just, you know, kind of the optics surrounding why it is, in fact, a viable career and not just a job. So I think you did a really good job exemplifying that. And, you know, we really appreciate your time coming on the podcast with us today. I always have time for things like this. If I can talk about butchery and get it out there into the world, I am happy. So I'm very grateful for you folks inviting me on here to talk about it. Very grateful very much. Thanks so much, Troy.